Well, good morning. Welcome home. We are so glad that you are here today. My name is Kyle, if we haven't met before, and we're excited that you would be with us on this Easter Sunday. Whether you're here in Pittsburgh or you're watching in Columbus, we want to welcome you as, the, as well as those watching online. This is the most important and uh, significant day on the Christian calendar, as Adam mentioned. This is the day that Jesus rose to life. I have good news this morning. He is alive. The tomb is empty. Let's give God a hand this morning. That is awesome. Amen. Amen. Folks, because Jesus is alive, we can have a resurrected perspective, a resurrected mindset. You know, this morning we're talking about perspective. You see, our perspective has an impact on everything in our lives. Let's say that together in both campuses. Our perspective has an impact on everything in our lives. You see, yesterday when my son, my two sons, I've got a, a 13-year-old son and a, and a six-year-old son, make sure I get that right, they wanted to go fishing yesterday. And they both outfished me yesterday. And my perspective when I first started was to push him overboard. But, but I didn't do that. And it's just, before you get upset with me, you need to understand, my son Noah caught 13 fish yesterday. And my other boy caught several fish. I caught one fish, one small crappie. And my youngest looks at me when I finally reeled one in and says, good for you, dad. Good for you. <laughs> my perspective <laughs> was to get frustrated and have them swim back to shore. But I celebrated with them behind gritted teeth because I want them to have better than me. Hey, we are. We're talking about perspective today. We're in a series called On the Way. It's wrapping up with Easter this morning. We've been looking at Jesus's life as he's on the way to the cross and the tomb. And, you know, on the way to wherever we're going, our perspective does matter. In fact, some of us in here today, you're full of hope today. You're full of excitement. Maybe your family's gathering together after this to eat, or, or you've got something to be excited about. And that perspective has an impact on your life. I don't know about you, but sunshine has an impact on my life. Sunshine and, and that kind of a thing, it changes my perspective. On the other hand, this morning, if life isn't exactly what you'd like it to be, or there's something you're worried about, or you're stuck in this place where you're not sure how things are going to go, that same perspective has an impact on our lives. Our perspective has an impact on everything in our lives. The women are on the way to the tomb on Sunday morning. You see, they had just left Jesus on Friday. He said, it is finished, and he had been crucified for our sins. And he looked at, at God and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which literally meant that God turned his back on his son so that he could feel the weight of your sin and my sin. In fact, Isaiah writes in the Old Testament that by his stripes, we are healed. Last night, my wife had the idea of watching The Passion of the Christ, which is a movie that came out a few years ago, and it depicts the last week of Jesus's life. And we know in that, that uh, movie that he's hit over and over and over, and each one of those stripes is for your sin and my sin. And, and it, the nails that went in his hands and went in his feet were for us. He paid a penalty that we simply couldn't pay. 
So these women's perspective, when that Joseph of Arimathea says, hey, you can bury Jesus in my new tomb. You can put him there. The women's perspective was is that Jesus was in the tomb. So you can imagine early that morning, some of you get up early, real early in the morning, and they're on the way to the tomb. They're walking to the tomb. You know, it's, it's foggy, and, and, and there's just this uncertainty taking place. There's grief, and there's not understanding, and they're replaying the last week of their life with Jesus. I mean, it was a whirlwind. Some of you guys have whirlwind, whirlwind weekends with ball games and dance stuff and all kinds of things that could make up a whirlwind weekend. Well, this was a whirlwind if you've ever seen one before. And they had went and purchased some spices the night before to, to, to anoint Jesus' dead body. And their perspective, not thinking that Jesus was alive, their perspective uh, caused one of them to ask this question. Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not the biggest and best planner in the world. Some of you guys are planners, you're organizers, you think ahead, you think of every single detail. And people like me are so grateful for people like you because I don't always think of every single detail. All right, Some of you are looking at some of your people around you because you know some of those type of people. Well, somehow they just forgot about that detail and they're asking this question, who's going to roll the stone away? And I don't know if they kind of get into not an argument, but a discussion about it. And they really probably don't know. Are the guards going to do it? Are they going to all just all together as ladies? Are they going to try to push this stone away? I mean, how are they going to do that? Their perspective caused them to ask a question that they didn't realize they really didn't even need to ask. Because when they get to the tomb, they see that the tomb, the, the stone that covers the tomb has been rolled back. And there's this earthquake, and, and lightning comes down, Scripture says, and there's an angel sitting on the tomb. And they realize all of a sudden that what they thought they were going to have to figure out how to open, God had already opened it. See, some of us, we have a tendency to do the math, don't we? I mean, some of us logical people, we all have dreamers that we know, people that just kind of, you know, they're, they're dreaming and they're thinking of different things. And, but some of us, we're, we're these people that are logical and we want the numbers to work out and we want things to, to make sense on paper before we, we, we jump, right? I mean, it's, it's being safe. It's the conservative thing to do. We might even say it's the wise thing to do. And in this moment, they realize that, that it's not about math, it's not about fear, it's, it's about having faith in the one who rolled the stone away. And they certainly begin to realize that God can open what's closed. God can open what's closed in your life as well. In the same way that the power of God rolled the stone away, the power of God can open what's closed in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your relationships. Our perspective sometimes has a tendency to say that things are dead. But folks, we serve a God that raises dead things. We serve a, a God that takes hopelessness and brings hope. 
We serve a God that when we're filled with discouragement through his power and through his spirit, he fills us with encouragement. That's the type of God that we serve. John in Revelation says, what he opens, no one can close. Say that with me. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. See, just because a door is closed doesn't mean that God can't open it. Someone today needs to hear that today. You walked in here and it's Easter and we're singing a bunch of songs that you don't know and and you see people with smiles on their face and you're full of of anxiety and your perspective has told you something about church or told you something about yourself or told you something about someone else that you didn't realize was going to be here. I mean, we have these perspectives. And I believe that someone here today or in Columbus this morning needs to hear that what you see is closed. God sees is open. What you see is hopeless. God sees is hopeful. What you see is filling you with fear. But as we believe in Christ, we are filled with faith. Luke says, for nothing is impossible. There's a couple words at the end that are kind of important. Let's say those together. With Nothing is impossible with God. So we see in this moment where the the stone is rolled away and the question is answered because God's the one who opens the door. When they they come up to this place, the, the angel looks at them and says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen just as he said got to thinking about that question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? You see, our perspective impacts where we look. These ladies, these women's perspective, they thought Jesus was dead. In that same way, there's things in our life that we can view as dead. There's things in our life that can cause us to look in certain places because they believed that Jesus was dead. They checked the tomb. And the angel, I don't think he was saying it in a sarcastic, mean way. But he was simply asking, why are you looking here? He's risen. See, I think sometimes when we're filled with doubt, we're filled with anxiety, we're filled with uncertainty, we have a tendency to look at the grave instead of looking at the one who overcame the grave. And this morning, it's a reminder to us and to the women that day to stop looking at the grave. Let's finish it together. And start looking at the one who overcame the grave. This morning, are you looking at your problems? Are you looking at those things in your life that can bring you down? Are you looking at the one who overcame the grave, who can raise what's dead? Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on our problems. Let us fix our eyes on our finances. Let us fix our eyes on our deadbeat husband. Let us fix our eyes on our problem child. 
Let us fix our eyes on what my uncle did to me that I've never told anybody about. Let us fix our eyes on this boss at work that I have that I don't even know how to deal with. Let us fix our, you know where I'm going, right? Obviously, it doesn't say that. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the author, the author. Say that with me. The author, Columbus, say that with me. The author and perfecter, perfecter. I mean, how many of us try to make things work, try to do stuff to feel better? We're not the author of that. Jesus is the author and perfecter. Man, some of us are perfectionists. My six-year-old is a perfectionist. I feel sorry for him because the rest of us aren't. I mean, he's the only one that he's, you know, he's got his lunch made the night before. He's got his clothes all put out neatly. He's got, you know, he's, he's a perfectionist. And if something, some of you perfectionists, you know how it is. If certain things don't, okay, maybe he has a little OCD too. So if things don't go just the way you want it, you know, it, it's difficult. Why? Because we're trying to do something that we're never going to accomplish. We're not perfect and life isn't perfect. But Jesus is. You and I aren't the author. You and I aren't the perfecter. Jesus is. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? The angel says. And then what's interesting is, the next words that he says is, go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And so she goes and does that. But I was thinking about that for just a minute because if we're not careful, we might just miss, miss something there. Why didn't, why didn't the angels just say, go tell the disciples that, I've, that he's risen from the dead and he will meet you in Galilee here in a little bit? Why, why, did, why did the angels say, go tell his disciples and Peter? Why did he mention Peter specifically? I mean, I don't know if you know the story or not, but just not all that long ago, Peter finds himself telling Jesus that he would never betray him, that he would always be loyal to him. I mean, we value loyalty in our culture, don't we? We value lawyer, lawyer, loyalty from a boss. We value loyalty from friends. We certainly value loyalty from family. Some of us ex- have experienced when we're betrayed and how hurtful that can be. And that's what Jesus was experiencing when after he was arrested, three different times Peter was asked, aren't you with Jesus? And Peter, in his fear, fails and says, no, I don't know the man. So it's kind of hard for me to understand how Jesus, who, you know, you would think would be about loyalty here, tells the angel to tell the women to tell Peter, go tell the disciples and Peter. I think there's something to be gained here, don't you? I think there's something to be gained. Jesus didn't cut Peter out of his plan. Because of his failure. 
And he doesn't cut us out either. Jesus didn't cut Peter out of his plan, even though he failed. And in the same way, when people fail us, we are not to cut them out either. I think that Peter would tell us today that we are to give grace and mercy to people who fail us. See, when we have a perspective that Jesus is alive and that he's real in our life, we're able to see those that have hurt us. Because listen, I'm just doing the math today. A lot of people in here. I'm sure there's a lot of people in Columbus today. There's people in your life, at least somebody in here, probably all of us, that have had some people hurt us. But when we have a resurrected perspective... We're able to forgive and give grace. So the ladies run back and they tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. Let's read that together. So Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. You know what's interesting? There's two sides to failure. See, there's the side where Jesus forgives Peter. And there's the side where Peter forgives Peter. Have you ever forgiven someone for something and they keep apologizing to you over and over and they feel bad about it and you're like, listen, it's okay. I forgive you. Let it go. You're driving me crazy. Forget about it. Sometimes it's not forgiving other people. That's the hardest point, moms and dads. Sometimes it's not forgiving other people, husbands and wives. Sometimes the hardest part is to forgive ourselves. See, now we just read that scripture. So Peter and the other disciples started out to the tomb. See, we have a choice with what we do with our failure. Now, now you remember Judas. If you don't remember Judas, Judas was another person that failed Jesus. See, while Peter denied Jesus three times, Judas basically handed Jesus over to the Pharisees and to the the guards, for 30 pieces of silver. Judas went out and hung himself. Peter, after he he failed Jesus, he ran to the tomb. Judas hung himself. Peter started out to the tomb. See, what we do after we fail is what matters. That's an amen part. It's Easter, so we're feeling a little. Let's say that with me. What we do after we fail is what matters. Man, that is so true. What we do with our failure. Judas hung himself with his failure. Peter ran to Jesus with his failure. See, I think there's times in our life where it's not that someone else is disqualifying us. We disqualify ourselves. And I think if Peter were here today, he would say, stop disqualifying yourself for your past. Come on now, that'll go, that'll preach. Some of us have disqualified ourselves from what God has for us because we've done too much, we've said too much, we've gone too far. 
you know, sometimes it's easy for us to see how Jesus raised to life for someone else. It's easy to want our kids to experience God's love and God's mercy and God's grace. But what about us? When we have a resurrected perspective, it's not being full of pride that that we get to be in high places and get off for what we've done. It's simply realizing that God's grace is bigger than how we perceive ourselves and how we handle our own failure. Someone this morning needs to realize that you have been disqualifying yourself. Jesus wants us to have a resurrected perspective and run to him. Peter and John, they make their way to the tomb. And you know, Peter's kind of thick. I can relate to that. And Peter's run into the tomb and he's out of breath. And John, you know, maybe he, he does CrossFit or something. Maybe he's got 24-hour membership to some Y, you know, or something. I don't know. His sandals, you know, he doesn't have Walmart sandals. He bought whatever, you know, and, 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 and I don't know. But whatever reason, John beats Peter to the tomb. But even though he beats him there, John's a little conservative and shy and a little scared. But Peter, man, even though he's failed, he's impulsive. I mean, he's the guy you bring to dinner and you're worried about what he's going to say. <laughs> Can you imagine, you know, if he's married, he's at dinner, do not embarrass me. <laughs> Won't you say something stupid? He, he runs to the tomb. He runs straight in. Love that picture. And he sees that the empty linens there where Jesus was and that gives John courage. Did you know that when you, when you run to Jesus, it gives somebody else courage? And John goes in too. And they see he's alive. He's not here. And they're filled with something different because their perspective has changed. Meanwhile, you remember Mary from earlier, she had been to the tomb when the angel said, he's not here. But, but for some reason, it's not sinking in with Mary that he's alive. Have you ever told somebody something and they're just not getting it? I mean, you've told them, you've told them and told them. Try co- coaching youth sports. You know what I'm talking about. I told you, don't swing at the ones up here. I know, I'm sorry, I forgot. So then they swing at it, and then it happens again. I told you. I'm sorry, I forgot. (laughs) God has, through the angel, just talked to Mary, and yet, instead of being excited, it like went over her head. She's back at the tomb, and she's weeping. She's so focused on her own pain and her own grief, that she doesn't realize Jesus is right there. And at some point, Jesus looks at her and asks her a question. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Have you ever had somebody just, they're so taken back with something, they're so filled with 
with grief or drama or whatever, that, that it just like goes over their head. They're not listening. And she mistakenly thinks that Jesus is the gardener. I mean, it wasn't uncommon for gardeners to be at tombs, so it's not like it's way out of bounds here. But she doesn't even recognize his voice. You know, sometimes in our pain and our grief, we can not hear God's voice, even though he's speaking to us. And in that moment, rather than getting impatient, when he says, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And Mary responds, just tell me where they've taken the body, and I'll go get the body. Jesus says, Mary. And the Spirit of God cuts through her her blindness and her ears that have become deaf by her own stuff. And she realizes it's Jesus, and she looks at him and says, Rabbi, which means teacher. See, I think we can learn from that today that just because we don't think God is with us during our pain doesn't mean he isn't. Some of us got those footprints in the sand poems that we hang in our house or we've seen one before. And if you know the poem, you know that, that the who, whoever wrote it is saying, you know, in the most critical and hard point of my life, it feels like there's only one set of footprints. It feels like God left me. And God responds, I didn't leave you. It was then that I carried you. Folks, God is always with us, even when we can't see him. And in the middle of your stuff, God has not left you. He is with you. God is always with us. Let's finish it together. Even when we can't see him. So Mary says, I have seen the Lord. She goes back and she's, She's filled with faith. I wonder sometimes if we have a hard time seeing because we have a human perspective and a human mindset. In the same way that Mary looked at this gardener and saw a gardener and not Jesus. Sometimes when God sends us, oh, this is good. This is real good. Sometimes when God sends us a person in our human perspective, we see a person. And when we connect ourselves to God, God looks at us and says, hey, be quiet. That's not them. That's me sending them to you. Hear what they have to say. I can't tell you how many times I've felt low or I felt down and there'll be a text or there'll be a card or someone will call or there'll be something that will happen and I'll just want to dismiss it and the Lord say, hey, hush up. That's from me. This morning, you may not realize it, but your pain or your grief could be blinding you from some people that are around you that God has placed there to not just be a gardener, but to make a difference in your life. Mary thinks it's a gardener. It ain't a gardener. It's Jesus. See, our perspective has an impact on everything in our lives. I remember when I was a kid, 
and I'd get grounded or get in trouble. I remember thinking in my head, I didn't dare say it out my mouth. But I remember thinking in my head, when I get older, I'm not going to make my kid do that. When I get older, I'm not going to ground my kids. When I get older, I'm not going to. My perspective made me think a certain way. But as I got older, I began to realize the method and the madness. What would happen if you would start to seek a resurrected perspective, if I would start to seek a resurrected perspective, and now all of a sudden we begin to see the same situations in our life through God's eyes and not ours? went to this leadership conference thing a while back, and at the very end of it, they were talking about perspective and how looking at things from a different angle sometimes can bring an idea or can help us to see things a different way. And to close out this conference, they showed us a picture, two pictures of the exact same flower. It wasn't anything attractive about the flower in the first picture. It's just the flower, kind of a close-up picture of the flower. The next picture, the photographer lays down on top of a mountain. And you don't realize in the first picture that there's a waterfall behind the flower. There's mist coming off the waterfall that also is captured in this picture. And because of the angle of the picture, there's sunlight coming in in the second picture where there's not in the first. Same flower in both pictures. The only thing that changed, the flower didn't change. The weather didn't change. No one took the flower away or took away anything else in the picture. It was just the angle. My grandpa, he's been gone for 20 plus years. God's not going to bring him back to life. He's in heaven, but he's not going to come walking through the door. But because I believe in Christ and my perspective is resurrected, I know that I'm going to see him again someday. He still passed away. But when we have a resurrected heavenly perspective, we see the good and the bad things differently. What would happen today? I know I'm belaboring this point, but this is important. What would happen, Columbus? What would happen here, church? you allowed God just to change the angle of what you're looking at. Let's stand together this morning. Father, thank you today for this reminder. And Lord, I just pray today that you would give us your perspective today. And we give you praise and glory and honor for who you are. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's worship.